Well, we are going to move right along into uh, the second week of our series, Living in the Kingdom. And Pastor John really opened this up uh, well last week, but we want to slow down this week and really just kind of get into uh, a little bit more of what is the kingdom of God. When we say the kingdom of God, you and I can come to a lot of like whether you go to Disney movies and you think, oh, right, kingdom, here we go, or maybe some kids' books when you were growing up, or maybe your imagination just goes wild and you have this kind of image of what the kingdom of God really is. We're going to slow down this morning and take a few moments and really talk about what the kingdom of God really is. And so if you're taking notes, I'm going to help you out this morning. <clears throat> this is called inheriting the kingdom. Inheriting the kingdom. Now, the sad part about this, this season that we are in, um, you know, we're, we're halfway through October now, is that pumpkin spice latte season is ending. Uh, right, grieve it. It's okay. It's okay. But the good news is cheesy Christmas Hallmark movies are right around the corner. Wow. Okay. So I know who to avoid during that season. Man, they are a dime a dozen. But you know what's always interesting about those cheesy movies? That we can only call them cheesy because we all watch them. That's how we know they're cheesy, right? Is there's always this main story. Some big hotshot, someone up in this big city is going to inherit the family company. But they have to go through this crazy endeavor to go to like this small town something where they relearn the values of whether it's hard work or whether it's the value of friendship or whatever the thing is. And everything that we really base ourselves around in our function is to inherit something. If, if you go to work every two weeks, you should be expecting payment, correct? If not, there's a really good conversation we can have about that, that you should be expecting payment after every couple weeks of work, or whether or not you are a health nut, and you are really strict on your diet and your exercise, and you're like, hey, I should be expecting to inherit something good in my body. Whatever the case is, there's always an expectation that we are inheriting something. I inherited my father's Scottish good genes. I had the McDonald's golden arches on my forehead in grade six. <laughs> Telling you, you could tell what part of the world I was from. I love the cold and I have no hair. But the evidence can be seen from a mile away. And when we look at inheriting a kingdom, it's the same type of thing. And so we're going to jump into this. What does inheriting a kingdom look like for you and for I as believers today? Now, we're going to be looking at um, really the main part of this. Uh, in point number one, we're going to be looking at something that we want to really do here at Lighthouse Church is we want to look at the Bible as a complete story. Point number one. I know, I know. And one of the things we want to do is make the Bible easy to understand. Because how many people love the Old Testament? That's what, oh, three, three P, yes, all right, my people, all right. The Old Testament can be confusing. Try to pronounce some of those names. Good luck. H is where they don't belong, P is where they don't belong, three T's sometimes. I'm just joking, that's not there. But it can be confusing to understand what the premise of the Old Testament is and how that correlates to the New Testament. And now we're in this whole thing called the church, and how does it all flow together? It can be confusing sometimes, yes? 
Well, we have some foundations classes that kind of open that up for you. I'm just joking. That's just a sales pitch. The great thing is, is that all of the points that we can see in Scripture point to a consistent message of God's kingdom for both you and I. And what's amazing is when we read Genesis all the way up to the book of Matthew and from Matthew all the way up to the book of Revelation, we see a consistent theme all throughout Scripture. And what we want to do is make this easy to understand when it comes to inheriting a kingdom. And we're going to look at three specific people. We're looking at John the Baptist, we're looking at Jesus, and we're looking at the Apostle Peter. These three people had something in common. They all had the same message. John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet who was speaking to the nation of Israel. And one of the last things he said was repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Then Jesus comes on the scene, gets baptized, goes into the wilderness, comes back. What's his message? It's not a new one. It's repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Which is really just a cute way to say it's at arm's arm's length away. You can reach it. You can come out and grab it. And then we see all throughout the Gospels, Jesus is crucified. He ascends to the Father. And then the church starts. And the day of Pentecost comes, and Peter stands up and gives this amazing message about what is happening in the moment where everyone is hearing their own native tongue preaching the gospel. What does Peter say? Repent. It's the same message from all of the Old Testament into the New Testament and to us today. This is the key factor that lets us see one of the main things to understand about what life in the kingdom for both you and I is. And it starts with repentance. Now, for some of us in the room, that can be a bit of a hard word to hear. And I understand that because sometimes the concept of repentance is not often understood. Repentance is not, okay, let's just air out all the dirty laundry and see how terrible people we are. No, no, that's not repentance. Repentance is the availability to receive God's restoration. God says to Moses that I'm a God of compassion and long-suffering, grace, mercy, loving kindness to generations to generations. And the word repentance really simply means, and Pastor John talked about this, to turn your way of thinking. So if you were a child and your mother or your father put a plate of hot food in front of you and said, don't touch that, that's hot, what do we do? And what do you do? Ah, why didn't you tell me? Now, my mother would try to stop me. My father would just let me do it. No, 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 no. You'll learn. There it is. The Lord lets us know beforehand that one of the ways that we walk into the fullness of God's kingdom, both now and the one that is coming, is repentance. And that simply means when we know and we see that we have done something or thought something or factioned our life in a way that doesn't resemble King Jesus, we go, oh, God, forgive me. I didn't know that wasn't you. Now that I know, forgive me, I'm going to go this way now. 
That is repentance. Now, the great thing about the Old Testament is the Old Testament was proclaiming about a kingdom that was coming. You read Isaiah, and he says, who's going to believe this? Who's going to believe our story, that there is a king coming who will restore and remove the weight of sin and shame over a generation? No one's going to believe this. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and all the Old Testament prophets were pointing to him being the guy who's going to restore God's people. This is good news. And Jesus says the same thing all the Old Testament prophets were saying. Hey, it's me. I'm the guy. Repent and come follow me. Remember that famous scripture we always say? For those who are weary and heavy burdened, take on my yoke. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. Come learn from me. It's because there's a way of living that Jesus says you are only going to get to me. And the only way you can come into the fullness of what God has for you is repentance. Stop touching the hot plate. (laughs) Or in my case, I didn't stop touching the hot plate. And every time I hear a sizzling hot plate, like at a restaurant, my hands just tingle a little bit. But this is how we understand the beginning poem, or the, the, the beginning components of God's kingdom for you and I. It's the things that are not lined up and according to God's word, God wants us to repent from and walk in his ways. Following me so far? And this is the consistent message all the way through scripture. Why? Because God's plans for you are great and amazing and full of mercy and compassion and long-suffering and all of the good things that God wants to do in your life can only be done when we turn to his ways. That's why he's faithful. That's why for you and I, the good news of the gospel isn't God is far away saying, good luck, I hope you can make it. Our king actually came to us and said, hey, I'm here. The way, the truth, and the life, I am right in front of you. And in me, you can find everlasting life. Change your ways, repent, and come follow me because I will lead you to the presence of the Father. That's some good news. All the weight and sin and shame, and maybe you've never heard this for the first time today, but all of the weight of the brokenness of humanity was placed on one man, Jesus Christ, that he took your sin, the punishment you and I deserved, on the cross, suffered the wrath of God so you and I could be free. That is the first step to inheriting the kingdom of God. That's step one. That's like going to a car dealership and them saying, hey, by the way, we've paid for it. Here's the keys, just take it. That's some good news. That's phenomenal. That's step one. And for those of us in the room, sometimes that can be the biggest stumbling block because what it does is that it erases pride. Well, that means that I'm not strong in of myself. Yes. Well, that means that my ways might be wrong. Yes. Well, that means I have to change the way I'm living. Yes. Why? Because Jesus has a better way. And his words lead us to life. And so this is step one for inheriting the kingdom of God, repenting from the works of sin and death and giving your life to the person of Jesus Christ, which is available for you and I today. Now, 
The great thing is, as you might have noticed, the world is not in great shape. Might be a newsflash, might not be. The world is not in a great shape. But here's the good news. The kingdom of God that we are inheriting is both now and coming. Clear as mud, right? What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. For those taking notes, this is, this is what we're going to look at. God's kingdom is both now and coming. Now, going back to the cheesy Hallmark movies for a second, because we all seem to really like those. I really don't, but they're cute. What's the premise of some of these movies? Hey, guess what? You can inherit this great business, this great family wealth. You can inherit all of this if you just do these things. And God is very much the same way in a not-cheesy Hallmark movie. Jesus says that there is a whole kingdom that you and I can inherit, but it is not in fullness yet. If you've noticed, the world is not ruled and reigned by Jesus' kingship, is it? Nope, it is not. So what does it mean when it says that God's kingdom is both now and coming. Well, the good news is, is this is where we get into the work of the Holy Spirit. One of the promises that Jesus gave to you and I, the church, was the transformational work of the Holy Spirit, God living inside you and I, transforming us into the image of Jesus. That's why we speak so much about the Holy Spirit. Scripture calls him the breath of life. How many people would like a breath of life every now and again throughout your day? Amen. But this is one way when we repent and turn from the ways that are contrary to Jesus, we actually can receive the infilling of God's presence through the work of the Holy Spirit, which fuels us to live as Jesus commands us to do so. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. It'll be up on the screen. Now, this is a little bit of a heavy text. Of course, the Apostle Paul, called, you know, he doesn't pull any punches, but he lets us know some of the criteria of what you and I need to have when it comes to inheriting God's kingdom. Watch this. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild living, and all of that or sorry, uh, wild parties and other sins like these, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living in that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, good morning, Paul. Didn't have your coffee this morning, I see. Thank you for that. Paul lays it out very quickly that when we give our lives to Jesus, what is the first line he says there? When you follow the desire of your sinful nature, meaning any area of our life that is not yielded to the person of Jesus and holiness, that is where we start to lose an inheritance in the kingdom. 
Now, this is a bit of a heavy portion of this teaching, but the reality is, is that the kingdom of God is here for transformation. It's here to build us up into a place where we can live right with the Lord. No one wakes up in the morning and says, you know what? I just feel like being a a bit of a Debbie Downer today. I feel like I'm in a bad mood, so I'm just going to do my thing. No, no one wakes up and just says that. What happens is because of our broken nature, there is a kingdom, a broken system that is competing for our attention. And the kingdom of God is also competing for our attention. And what Paul is saying here in Galatians is that you don't have to live this way. You don't have to live in idolatry or sorcery or quarreling or jealousy or angry or selfishly ambitious or working in division or envy or wild parties that just leave you obliterated. You don't have to live this way. There is a way that Jesus promises you now because of his work on the cross that we can inherit a right standing with him. But not only that, the good news of the kingdom is that there is a kingdom now that we can receive in Jesus. There is a kingdom of light that destroys the brokenness that we live in. There's the kingdom of Jesus that rules and reigns in peace and in joy and in restoration. And it's not, very, it's not very difficult to see that our worldly systems don't live in that way. This is why Jesus says, in me, in Christ, you and I are the light of the world. Because when we house the person of Jesus, we are walking billboards of God's kingdom. Which means you and I get to be a standard for God working in this earth. Paul goes on to say that we are ambassadors of this kingdom, the kingdom of God that is restorative to both you and I here and now. But there is also one coming that has not yet taken place. I know, it's okay. And so what does this mean for you and I? This means that there is a way of living that is Jesus-led or Jesus-centered And there is a way that we are being led by our own brokenness and sin. Now, I know what probably some of you are thinking, man, no one is perfect. Absolutely, 110%. And Jesus knows that. And this is where we get to inherit a bit more of the kingdom. That's when the promises that Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The good work that Jesus has started in you, he will complete in his time, but he'll perfect it each day towards that day. This scripture we see in Galatians isn't to heap on loads of just anxiety and stress of, oh, I can't measure up to God's standard. Correct. You can't. Jesus did the work for you. Jesus paved the way for our brokenness to become restored. That's good news. This is life in the kingdom where Jesus says, you can come to me in your mess and we can work on getting that fixed. Or you can just stay here and try to figure me out, but you won't be able to because my grace and my peace goes beyond your understanding. 
And sometimes the kingdom of God becomes so offensive to our nature because sometimes we think we don't deserve freedom. Can I be honest with you today? The blood of Jesus speaks a better word over you. Listen, we get so quick to say why we can't measure up instead of relying on the truth of the one who does give us all victory in Christ Jesus. Let me just go here for a second. The peace of Christ can only be known in moments of anxiety. The blessing of Jesus can only be known when there's lack. The wisdom of God can only be really fully accessed when we realize, I'm not feeling that smart today. I need your wisdom. Your brokenness does not retract God's presence. It actually draws him in closer. God tells Solomon in 2 Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them. God is waiting for you. King Jesus is waiting for you to say, God, I don't got today. (laughs) I don't have it. God's like, I know. Take on my easy yoke, my light burden. This is the promise of our king. Jesus did not just save us and then leave us. He actually says, I'm giving you the helper, the comforter, the one that walks alongside with you, the Holy Spirit to what? Transform us from brokenness of sin to right living. Oh, well, if you only knew my story. Listen, every single one of us is a living testimony in this room to God's goodness. There is not one person in this room that couldn't get up right now and testify something that God has done for you in your life. And let me just be be very honest. If you're not there yet, let me let you know this. The goodness of God is waiting to overtake you. We don't have to worry about the promises and the fake brokenness of this world. We have a king who is truth and life and good, and just, and praiseworthy, and full of all things that you and I need, guess what? He never leaves nor forsakes. And sometimes the inheriting of God's kingdom, sometimes mean we put on our boxing gloves every single day and we just go to war. Can I be honest with you? Jesus did your heavy lifting for you. There's nothing you can add to the blood of Jesus that makes it any more powerful over your life. Jesus Christ has won the victory for you. That is good news. So when you don't think, God, I'm having this angry thought again, guess what? He knows, and he wants to to relieve that off of you. There are some things that might drop off you in a moment, and there's some things that he will teach you over time how to deal with. Listen, When I got saved, there was a lot of things, and a lot of you know my story, a lot of my addictions and a lot of my lifestyle just dropped off. Boom, one shot. It changed so happened, I didn't even have a change of clothes to change into. I was this pierced up, crazy spiky hair when I had it. Chains all over my pants, demons all over my, 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 my shirt and skulls and crossbones and all these things with a little white King James Bible I just recently got saved and I said, I don't know what any of this really means, but I know that God knows me. People need to hear how I do things because people need to hear the hope of Jesus. 
Was I all figured out? No. Ask my wife. I'm still not figured out. Gentle, gentle. But God doesn't wait on your perfection because you'll never get perfect in of yourself. Because our king has stepped in and said, I will perfect you. I will do your heavy lifting. And the things that you think, God, I keep on dealing with this thing and this thing and this thought and this issue and this pattern, guess what? God knows that. And he wants to perfect you from doing those things. But what's the first key to inheriting that promise? Repent. God, I am not right. You are right. And this is the good news of inheriting the kingdom of God is it is both now for your freedom, but it's also coming for your perfection. God is not done with you. And God is just about to start using some of you greatly for his kingdom. What does that mean in the simplest things, like filling up the food bank, paying for someone's gas, Hopefully they don't drive a truck. Ah, see, okay. God used me, but not there. Amen. God wants to use you to be an ambassador for the kingdom because you are inheriting it. Well, I don't know everything. You don't need to know everything. Well, I don't speak really well. You don't need to speak really well. Well, I just feel like I'm constantly anxious. That's okay. Why do you think one of the most continuous promises God gives us in Scripture is, don't be afraid. Do you know how many times that's mentioned in Scripture? 365 times. How many days are in a year? If you're using the Amplified Bible, there might be 356. Just so, just throwing that out there. There are amazing things God has promised both you and I, and sometimes we refuse to inherit them because we think we're not good enough. But Jesus says, repent, come to me, let me do the heavy lifting because he is gracious and compassionate and merciful and rich in forgiveness. You can't do it on your own. It's not your kingdom. So when we submit to King Jesus, we say, Jesus, not my will be done, your will be done. And then guess what happens? He starts to use us in the most simplest of ways. Now, that's great for the hearer, but what about the coming? What about the kingdom that is yet to come? Let's look at this for a second. Point number three, whatever is shaky ground is not your inheritance. There's a lot of shaky ground out there. There's a lot of things that are shaking by almost the half hour or the minute, sometimes just by the day. And it's easy to get caught up in what isn't right. And all of my I-can-fix-it people in the room walk around with the like mental hammer and duct tape, just ready to go, ready to fix everything and all things, Right? It can get so tiring to walk around thinking, well, if I can just do this, I can fix this whole thing. If I could just chew enough gum and stick it into that, into that big water vat that's pouring out, I can stop all the water. No, it's not going to happen. There are some things you and I cannot fix. Actually, let me rephrase that. Most things, if not anything, you and I, we cannot fix. 
because that means that we've replaced the person of Jesus. Now, do you remember a while back, Pastor John gave us a message about being built upon the rock? Everyone remember that? Yes? And it's pretty much the whole idea that if we are not built on or fashioned on the person of Jesus, nothing else is stable. If, you're, if your success was built on all that you can accomplish and you've had to kind of do what you needed to do and cut corners and, and cut people off in their development to get to a place where you can be seen in some form of social status, guess what? That will eventually crumble because it was never sustained to last. If you desire to go and just find all the money in the world and work yourself to the, you know, to the, to the core and forget family and friends and all of these things that God gives us to enjoy and you just want to have that massive big bank account, guess what? That will eventually fail you. That will eventually fail you. Maybe there's some vanity. We're on the outside. We just want to look like we have it all together just so we can make sure that people don't think we're having problems. That's going to last maybe till your mascara starts to run. And for gentlemen that have hair, till our hair starts to get out of place. There are faulty things that we believe are good, but they are not saving. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27 to 29. The writer writes, This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a devouring or consuming fire. So the writer here shows us everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Not if, when. And what happens is God does this for a reason. is to show you that the things of this world cannot save you. There is a kingdom of Jesus that is unshakable that is different than this world. And the reason why God starts to shake things is to give us the grace to let us know, oh, this doesn't feel very stable. I should probably make sure I'm on the rock of Christ. And so sometimes for us, when we start to feel our finances get a bit shaky, our health starts to get a bit shaky, our family life starts to get a bit shaky. When you go on CNN or CBS or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or any social media outlet and the news is showing you things are getting shaky, guess what? God's showing you what is not his kingdom. So don't pitch your tent there because you might wake up in a mess. This is the grace of God, where God starts to show us the things that are not stable in your life. Why? Because it shows us there is a promise we have yet to receive. It's not God's judging you for saying, well, you made a bad mistake. Got to teach you a lesson. No, no, it's to warn us, hey, the things that we are trying to fix can't be fixed by your means. Come to me, because there's a kingdom that you could inherit in doing so. Now, it's easy for me to stand up here and say all of this because I'm not in your shoes. (laughs) 
I understand that. But let me give you an example that God's promises are both for you and I in the same scenarios. Some of you here I know are praying for family members that don't yet know Jesus. I had Christian friends I grew up with that I'm pretty sure never once prayed for me because they were scared of me, rightly so. I am the product of someone walking by my house going, what is that nasty racket in there? I don't like that music I'm hearing. Who is this guy? And someone says, oh, that's Andrew. He's a goth. Cool. We need to pray for this boy. And now here I am. I am the product of people who did not take the time to pray into my life that should have. How much more for you praying for your friends and your family in the shoes of the promises of God, how much more would God work on your behalf than he did on my behalf? If two people said about me, this boy needs to get saved, guess what? The, the, the anxiety and the worry about your family, about getting right with Jesus, guess what? God is not slack concerning his promises. But you can't fix it either. And this is where we have to understand that Jesus' ways are perfect. His timing is perfect. His promises are yes and amen. You might have to see things with people around you get shaky. Why? Because God's leading them to himself. And it's our job to say, hey, man, hey, friend, hey, wife, hey, husband, hey, brother, hey, sister, that's shaky. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. Why? Because there is something you can inherit that Jesus wants to save you from. Why is it that we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable? Because this is the goodness of our king that wants to show us you can have something that is a sure thing, a sustainable thing, a thing that God has promised you that he will not take back. Inheriting the kingdom of God puts you on sure footing and sure standing that whatever your king has said you can have, if you submit to King Jesus, it's yours. You just have to get off your shaky ground. Now, what is this promise of the kingdom that is coming? What is the promise that you and I have been given if this world is shaking and will soon be, be, be known to be completely faulty until the King Jesus comes back and sets everything right? What does that look like? Peter gives us another inclination of this. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth that he has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. This is the kingdom that is coming. Andrew, I don't know what that means. That's okay. What this means is there is a time where God will take all things and make them new. God will wipe every tear from your eye in his timing. What does that mean? All of the strife, all of the worry, all of the things that you and I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis here, there will be a moment in time where God will make all things new and wipe every anxious tear and worry from your eye. The kingdom that is coming is going to make all things new. No sin, no sickness, 
no lack, no poverty, a place filled with God's righteousness, unblemished, not filled with decaf coffee. There is a promise that is coming that we can have a taste of now through the work of the Holy Spirit. Because God will make all things new just as he's making all of you new. But the good thing is, is that that has not fully come yet, but it's coming. And my job, if you hear anything else that I say today, keep pressing into God's promises for your life. Because he is good, and he is just, and he is not slack concerning his promises to you. But there's only one way to receive this inheritance for the kingdom of God. First, we have to repent. First, we have to say, Jesus, I'm not living the way that you need me to live. Just like in those cheesy Hallmark movies, there comes that point in the middle where everything gets all hazy, and the person's lost everything because they don't really understand what the parent's trying to teach them about gaining the family business or whatever the case is. And they just kind of click and go, oh, I found out what it is. And then they kind of like go sell everything they have and make everything right with everyone that they've wronged. It's those moments for you and I that are so real because that's when we realize, are we living in God's kingdom? But God will never force that on you. That's also the good news. Our God is just, and he is righteous, and he is holy, but he's not a bully. And that's why he lets us bring these things up in our heart when God convicts us, is to show us there is a better way that you can live in now, because the fullness of that is coming, but you can have a foretaste of that now. Brokenness, worry, Sickness, anxiety, not sure what the political circles are doing, that's okay. Come get peace now. You can receive that now. And that's why the invitation of the kingdom was so offensive to the Jewish nation. If you read the history of Jesus when he's walking through Israel and through Jerusalem, they would kind of show off their temples. God, look at this great temple we have here, Jesus. Isn't this amazing? Look at all the things that we've done. Do you like this shade of purple we put on the drapes? It's amazing. Look at how great this is. And what does Jesus say? Someone greater than the temple is here. Everything that you think you are in lack of, let me tell you, friends, Jesus is here to meet that lack. And that's good news. And so my encouragement for us in the room today is not to just wait for this day where God's going to make everything new and hope that he does it, we can experience portions of that kingdom now. And guess what? That might mean sometimes we have to relearn some things in the way of our living. Like it says in Galatians, maybe throw that huge big list when we were reading those things, right? Impurity, lustful pleasures, sexual immorality, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild living. Maybe in some of those lists, your heart went, ah, don't talk anymore. Thank you. That's God showing you, I need to work in that area of your life. And the kingdom of God is here and present 
to do so. Every fear, every anxiety, every promise that God has given you, God wants to restore all of that to you, both now for the promise of the kingdom that is to come. Would you stand with me? I want to make some room just to respond. Um, Pastor Michelle, if you want to just come and play some keys, that'd be great. Now, this is a bit of a heavy word, but the reality is there's only one way to the kingdom of God. There's only one way to receive eternal salvation. There's only one way to get total freedom. There's only one way. And I would be wrong to stand up here teaching the Bible, saying that there's multiple ways. There is not. There is only one way, and his name is Jesus. There's only one book that will lead you to the understanding of who this Jesus is, and that's the Bible. And there's only one Holy Spirit that God has promised us to indwell in us, and that's through the repentance of dead works. And what I want to do is, is as much as there's an urgency to get our hearts right with the Lord, there's also an urgency to receive the good work of the kingdom of God that is available for us in this room. God has not left you. God has not forsaken you. God is not sitting upstairs with a nail bat waiting to whack you because you did one thing or two things or 50 million things wrong before you got in the door this morning. He's gracious. He's compassionate. Long-suffering. He's good. He's holy. But he's good. And what I want to do, just in these, in these moments, because I want to take some time and not rush this, if you could all just bow your heads and close your eyes just for a second. Not because it's, it's magical, it's a thing we do, it's just for some respect in the room. If this is the first time you have ever heard of the good news of Jesus, if this is the first time where you have heard the depth and the weight of what Jesus wants and has provided for your freedom and wants you to live in. And you know, for a very first step, I have not given my life to Christ. We're gonna provide you that opportunity with every eye closed, head bowed. Is there anyone in this room this morning that says, I want to respond to giving my life to King Jesus? We're not going to wait long, but I don't want to leave this opportunity. If someone has to get right with the Lord now, not going to wait long. If anyone wants to give their life to Jesus for the first time and learn how to walk in his ways, just slip your hand up. Awesome. Just keeping this posture of prayer. The only way that we can walk in God's fullness is when we submit to him. Now, maybe through all of this sermon or all this message or whatever you'd like to call it, the Lord's just been kind of maybe dogpiling you with ideas or memories or thoughts or things that you know are not in his kingdom or his will. And maybe there's levels of shame that you feel, I get that, and I, this is not to emotionally manipulate a thing. But if this is the Lord working on your heart, with every eye closed and head bowed, if you know the Lord is working on your heart right now in this room, and you know you have to respond, could you just slip your hand up and say, yeah, I need, I need to give my heart more space for the Holy Spirit to work. 
If that's you, just slip your hand up. Yep, 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 yep. Yep. So just keeping this posture of prayer, I am going to invite the, uh, the prayer team up and I'll be down there in a second. But I just want to corporately pray. So whatever you need to do in your moment, just to kind of position yourself, we're just going to pray corporately over the room and for those that lifted their hands. That God, I just thank you for your people. God, your church is beautiful. God, and I thank you that you were in the process of perfecting us each step of the way. And so God, I just ask right now for those that lifted their hands, God, we have no other hope but you. We have no other promise but you. We have no other way of being victorious in this life but you. And so God, through the work of the Holy Spirit, for those that lifted their hands, and maybe for those that didn't, and that's okay, you know their hearts. God, would you start showing them and mending areas in their hearts where they feel that they have just not measured up? Because the truth of the matter is, Jesus, none of us can. But God, your word says in Romans chapter 8 that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And so, God, for those that lifted their hands, I ask, God, whatever you were doing in their hearts, God, we just say yes to that. Bring your peace. Bring your understanding. Bring, God, delivering power to their hearts, to their lives, to their families. God, whether it's something in their mind or in their body, God, that they just need to realign. Or maybe, God, there's hope deferred that has made their heart sick and they just don't know how to, how to go on. Or maybe there are decisions that have to be made that they just don't know which way to turn. God, thank you that your peace governs their heart. Thank you, Holy Spirit that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and will quicken our bodies to life. So God, for all my friends in the room, God, we just ask, Holy Spirit, you would do a work now in Jesus' name. God, that your kingdom, the rule and reign of King Jesus would be established in their hearts, in their minds. God, in the transforming work of the Holy Spirit would do such a deep work in their hearts that you would bring them to the knowledge of the perfect peace in Christ. And we just ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.